Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, where we empower you with the answers to your burning questions to accelerate your career into the sports industry. We are your hosts, Melbourne-based sports administrators, Ruben Williams and Ryan Walker. Join us as we share unique and personal examples as well as relatable information and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes. Want to swipe our signature framework to add awesome experience to your resume? Download our free ebook, Four Steps to Create Outstanding Work Experience in Sport, at sportsgrad.com.au. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest episodes released every Tuesday and Thursday. Antonia, welcome. You're currently the interim EGM of Broadcast and Commercial at Cricket Australia. Firstly, can you share a bit about what that job involves? Uh, so it involves basically the broadcasting and commercial revenues that come into Cricket Australia and how they're then activated throughout the business. So yesterday um, I was in Sydney. Um, my first meeting was with the senior management team at Fox, headed up by the head of Fox Sports, Pete Campbell. Um, and with me was Anthony Everard, another EGM for fan engagement, um, and Rich Ostroff and Lordy in the broadcast team. And the main purpose of the meeting was um, we've now had a year together and how we're going to bring our partnership to life over the next four to five years. So often broadcasters are seen just as broadcasters, but they're actually our biggest partners. So let's move away from the kind of broadcast op stuff and let's talk about what a Fox need, why have they invested with us and how can cricket as that platform help them to achieve their goals. So that was the first part of the morning. Uh, and then I went to the SCG where I met the new uh, GM in charge of commercial for the Sydney Cricket Ground Trust. And we just talked about uh, the past and the past relationships between the SCG and, and CA. And we talked about how we want to work together going forward um, and three or four key opportunities specifically around fan experience and fan engagement that we feel we can work together commercially. Uh, and then I hopped on a plane um, and then took five or six of our key player managers based in Melbourne out for drinks um, and some food with, again, with Anthony, uh, with Drew and Al Dobson and Nat Davey um, to watch the test match together and just again to share more about the cultural change within CA and our desire to bring the player managers closer together to what we do, specifically from a commercial and broadcast perspective is let's not keep them siloed out on the side, let's actually bring them into the discussions and if Booper decide to sponsor Steve Smith and not CA, they're still within the cricket ecosystem. So that was my day. Your career started as an investment banker back in England. Can you share a bit about your pathway and how that led to being a senior manager in Australian sport? Really quick answer is um, banking wasn't really what I probably wanted to do, but it was what I knew the most of. I think you're very much a subject of what you grow up in. And my family, that was what was discussed around the lunch table and the dinner table was, uh, you know, pan-European equities and their movements over the over the current uh, current term. So that's what I felt familiar with. But in my heart, I absolutely loved sport. I loved playing sport. I played both tennis and lacrosse um, at quite a senior level. Um, but from a career perspective, I was always led in that direction. Got my master's degree in economics and then went into banking. Um, but it was only after I'd been there a couple of years and had the confidence to think this isn't actually really what I want to do with my life. I know I want to work in sport. I don't know what. I actually thought it was going to be, I wanted to be a sports writer. I love writing and telling stories, which is ironic that now I'm working in broadcast. But um, that's sort of what drove me to leave investment banking. And then to get into sports, uh, 
because I'm old, I'm 44, uh, to get into sport in those days, um, especially as a, as a girl, your only way in really was um, as, a, as a secretary, as someone that could type. And I wasn't actually allowed to be the typist, but I could be the secretary to the typist. So I made the teas and coffees for meetings and that kind of stuff. Um, and that's how I got in the door. Uh, never regretted leaving investment banking. Not because it was a horrible industry. It just, they weren't my people. And even though I was just making the teas, I was with, I was with my people. And then I was lucky enough to be given great opportunity and uh, some great mentors along the way to work my way up to then head up commercial for Ryder Cup and European Tour and then got headhunted for this role at CA. So luck and nice people is what got me here. You'll soon be stepping back into your original role as the head of match operations and events. In your opinion, how is fan experience changing in Australian sport and what changes do you think we can expect to see over the coming years? Um, well, fan experience is changing all the time and specifically around the digital activation space, what you can do with the fan now, how you can talk to them, communicate with them. And, you know, we had a, a meeting with Apple on Monday. I've just read the notes that came out of it because so I couldn't get to the meeting. And very much it was around how can Apple be part of that fan experience rather than us making up our own digital fan experience solutions, let's use the technology around us. Um, so I do see technology and data uh, and that real-time response to fan. Um, and instead of the fan being on the sidelines watching, I see the next iteration is the fan being in it, truly immersed in, in what is happening. And then from a personal perspective, I say it's stepping up into the role of head of matchups and events. But I think if there's something that drives me, like um, BC and I were talking about that and Kim came out, there's quite a lot of shifting in the industry of, of the business of people going from interims back to normal. Um, and what gets me up every day is I, I, like, I want to be part of making the Boxing Day Test the biggest event in the Southern Hemisphere. And uh, that's what I'm really looking forward to doing. Have you ever had to make any big or small difficult career decisions? And if so, how did you come to make those decisions? Yes, I've, I've had a very, very tough career decision. Um, not sure how many people are going to see this, so I'm not going to name the organisation, but um, it's where tennis is played on grass. Um, and for somebody that loved tennis, I was offered a job there. Uh, maybe I'm one of the only people that ever turned it down. Um, and I turned it down for various reasons. Um, but after I turned it down, it was one of the biggest career regrets of my life until I got the phone call to come to CA. So all I would say is everything happens for a reason. If I hadn't have turned it down, I wouldn't be here with my family experiencing a whole different culture and a whole different hemisphere and meeting loads of amazing new people. But for about 11 months, it was the most depressing thing I'd ever done. They say you learn the most when you're out of your comfort zone. When in your career have you been out of your comfort zone? Uh, in investment banking. <laughs> I learned that I didn't want to do it. Um, it was just so quiet. Uh, and um, there wasn't a purpose so what I learn is I'm out of my comfort zone if I don't, if it's not linked to who, what defines me and what my true north is. But that takes time to find what that is. Um, and at the beginning of your career, you don't necessarily need it. It just doesn't make, might not feel right. Or you might be really sophisticated that you already know exactly why you're doing something. You become less and less in an uncomfortable zone when you know why you're doing it. And as soon as it doesn't resonate with what your true sense of purpose is, so for me, mine is about trying to change lives through sport. And if I can relate back to that through inspiration, connection, fan experience, telling a story through broadcast, 
bringing in revenue so that it goes out to grassroots cricket. All of that gets me up in the morning. I'm out of my comfort zone. When I look around, I'm like, this isn't linked to who I am, um, as opposed to subject matter expert. Or That's very easy. If you don't know it, you just put your hands up and say, I don't know. You've been living true to what you value for a number of years now. What's the proudest moment of your career? So it's anything where you can see that result of being able to uh, make change. And it's normally as a result of other people and just being part of their journey. But I would say um, bringing uh, Rory McIlroy's foundation, the Rory Foundation, and aligning it with a major sports event um, meant that not only did we bring the first international sports event to Northern Ireland when all it had had was a very sad history of basically civil war, Um, and the government trusted us to bring a good news story to Northern Ireland. But with the Rory Foundation, we managed to raise uh, $1.8 million that built a respite centre for children with cancer and their families. (coughs) And I was there that night it was opened. And sadly, it was opened by a boy who's no longer with us. But seeing him and his family have that sense of relief and respite, and it was called Narnia, um, being part of that journey and seeing everyone involved and engaged in it was way beyond just setting up a golf tee. You mentioned you got headhunted for the job at Cricket Australia. Do you remember the day that you accepted the job? Well, it came off the back of the other job that I turned down. So that, uh, that company then approached me to see how I was doing a year later, whether I regretted the decision. And I was like, yeah, I have. <laughs> And they said, well, look, having got to know you through that process, there is this really interesting role. And they said, but it's in Melbourne. And I went, oh, but that's an and. Because um, I came to Melbourne a couple of times in my 20s to try and get a job in sport. Um, So when they mentioned it and that it was cricket um, and Cricket Australia, I thought I'm never going to get it. And I put the phone down. I remember it was Valentine's Day and I was at Glen Eagles. Not with my husband sadly, but I was there planning a, the Solheim Cup, which is the women's Ryder Cup equivalent, which is happening in a couple of weeks. Probably now, actually. Anyway, um, I digress, but I put the phone down and then I rang my husband and I said, look, I've just been, shall I go for it? And he was like, absolutely. You know, this is what we've always talked about, living abroad and you need to kind of, you need another challenge. Um, and then I spoke to anyone I knew about cricket. I'd never been to a cricket game. I think I said that in my interview. I think I was honest. <laughs> Be honest. Um, but I remember James Sutherland in the final interview saying to me, you're going to be head of match operations and events. What happens? He started talking about sight screens. Unfortunately, I'd looked them up, so I knew what they were. You know, what happens if the sight screen gets in the way of the player and everything? And I totally got where he was coming from. And, and I said to him, how many people here know about cricket? And he said, probably 99%. And I said, well, do you want another one of them? Or do you want someone who knows about kind of global sports events and fan experience? Because that's what I can offer. But I was very honest about what I couldn't. But there are some phenomenal people at Cricket Australia, thank goodness, who know exactly what they're talking about and have coached and guided me over the last couple of years. So I've learned something new. Um, Still not sure how I'd be about that, but I turned to Peter Roach, who knows exactly what he's talking about. And finally, if you could try anybody else's job at Cricket Australia just for one day, whose would it be and why? Well, it definitely wouldn't be Cricket Ops. <laughs> You're all safe. Um, I think because going back to writing being my sort of passion, it would actually be, probably be working in the comms team. I'd love to see what being part of that media on the, on the front foot would be about. Um, 
would it be Karina's role? No, too much responsibility and just way, way too many opportunities to like just have far too much stress. Um, I'd probably like Lucy's job. I'd love to kind of be right at the pointy end of what's happening in the women's sports movement and being able to tell the rest of the world about that. Uh, I'd, like, I'd like to be her for a day. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the SportsGrad podcast. If you need help with your sports career, head to sportsgrad.com.au and download our free ebook today. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a tag on socials at SportsGrad. 